0: Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we do ask that you would come into our midst and form our hearts. Make them yours. Work in us that which you desire. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. For it is in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Cameron made the comment when we were standing in the back of the church about how Wesleyan we were being given the choice of hymns. He's exactly right, because Wesley is the one who talks about the warming of the heart and communicates that so profoundly in his hymnody, and in fact, does so in absolute sync with the author of our own liturgies, Thomas Cranmer, who introduced the language of the heart into the lectionary and into the liturgical lexicon of the church. I mean, our famous Collect for Purity, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration that we may perfectly notice, not obey, but perfectly love thee and worthily magnify thy holy name. Because, you see, that is not just the legacy that we bear, this heart language, this love language. It is the thing that has always marked us, at least when we were at our best. There are times in our history where we have fallen into the divisions of, I think this way and you think that way, so I'm not sure we can go to church together. But, quite honestly, in the history of the church particularly in England, we've been spared a good bit of that acrimony. And if there was ever a time when a society and a culture needed the witness of a body of people that said the focus is on a person, the language is love, and the care that we show one another is a reflection of the care that we receive in Jesus, it is now. It is absolutely now to be in a place where, as the prayer book says, all sorts of conditions can gather together and in the midst of often profound differences. It is what God has done in us that unites us. That's a part of what we say when we believe that what binds us in Jesus is the act of baptism. Because the act of baptism is done to us. It is not possible to baptize yourself. Somebody else has got to do it. And that's intentional. Because it's meant to say something profoundly important about our own helplessness. And how profoundly we need the grace of God. And how profoundly we need the grace of God mediated mediated not just through water and bread and wine, but through the strong hands of one who will take us down into the water and pull us back up again. That's, that's each other. That's the heartbeat of how we are in fact called to think about our relationships with one another. That we are both the undeserved recipients of grace, but we also share in a fellowship where that both that undeservedness and the grace is highlighted as values that we do not, by God's mercy, allow to be usurped by anything else, even the thing that we Anglicans like so much, which is good order. Administration is incredibly important. But administration is not so much to try to keep people in line. You know, that's called beating the sheep. As much as it is a gift that we give to the church, so we feel the kind of order that allows us to relax. Because we know the extra detail is being taken care of. And it is a servant's gift. Administration at its best is foot washing. And making sure the towel and the bowls and all of that are going to be there. As opposed to any model of leadership that actually lords it over. Believe me, you can say it, but maybe once every ten years. I'm the rector, that's why. It can be said, and occasionally, perhaps even rarely, it should be said. But more often than not, the invitation is far more, come let us reason together. Can we not find a way to work this out? Can we not find a way to model for the sake of this congregation and for the sake of this world, a capacity to work through difference in a way that doesn't call people or cause people to go fleeing to the doors. We already have plenty of churches like that. We don't need another one. But to do that requires a kind of theological underpinning. And who I'm going to for that underpinning, because I think it so deeply expresses the gospel, is actually another Anglican evangelical by the name of John Newton. John Newton, most famously known for authoring Amazing Grace. And certainly this quote lines up, With that kind of profound gratitude. He he says this. The inheritance of the saints in light. Like the light of the sun. Is not diminished. By being shared among many. Each one possesses the whole. In the same perfection. As could be true. If the only person were there to enjoy it was himself. In other words when God expresses his life and pours his love into us, when we are recreated anew, born again, made a new creation, the very light of heaven shines into the depths of our soul. Forgiveness is imparted. The old nature is removed. A new creation is being born in us that is just as lovely, just as powerful, Is any other Christian on the planet? And in fact, it seems to me a part of the task of leadership is to call people into that which they have already received. Because you see, everything about our life says that that kind of brilliant love that God has given us in the gift of His Son either doesn't exist at all, but if it, or if it does, it's really very, very faint. And because many of us actually believe that about ourselves, because we actually don't believe that the very same spirit which raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And that the light of God's loveliness always shines upon you, even when we are at our worst, and that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Because many of us don't believe that. We can be awfully hard to live with. We get cranky and we get complaining. And particularly when we're a part of a group of people that enjoys that kind of ill health. Have you ever heard the phrase? She enjoys poor health. Um, there, that can be true for a congregation too, you know. That what begins to happen is that the temptation of leadership is to coerce. Because you want to beat the sheep in line. Even if it's only a small committee of people. And again, Newton has these words to say, because he describes this as wrongly applied zeal. He said, zeal that is pure and heavenly reflects the fire of God's love. While that which is often bears the name of zeal is in fact just self in disguise. It takes great patience. And quite honestly, serious intercessory prayer. In the face of wanting to sort of pick up the whip, instead to put it down and come and stand in love. The other actually is quicker. You can get results if you yell out enough. Or say the right thing at the right time. But unfortunately, if there's a spear in it, the obedience that you gain is only temporary. And eventually all it will breed is a spirit of coercion that flows through the body in a way that actually causes the Holy Spirit to be profoundly grieved. If the goal of what God is doing amongst us is to conform us into the image of his son, a group of men and women who are willing to get out there into the harvest, to be in some actually pretty dangerous places, to step into places that no one would go. There has to be within us the kind of deep security of knowing that we are both loved by God and stand with others who will love us, even when we're out there and we mess up. And how that gets modeled is by leadership. Leadership that continues to encourage even in the face of disappointment, leadership that is profoundly patient, leadership that forgives very quickly, leadership that is actually born as that leader gets on his or her knees and holds before God the names of the people who want to hang him, right? It's easy to pray for the people you like. But I'm talking about something even more profound. And recognizing even in those people who somehow are at their worst, if they are in fact baptized into the body of Christ, they bear the very beauty of God, though it might be hidden, to their own eyes and perhaps even to ours. What does it mean to be a congregation that calls itself Good Shepherd? Located right here on the dividing line between prosperity and poverty. Between financial success and often places of violence. Who is willing even by the vocation of this location... To bring together disparate people to the right and to the left and out of that to begin to model the kind of new creation that really does begin to reflect every tribe, tongue, language, people, family, and nation. It's, this is tough. This is not easy work. But in fact, it is the work that reflects the very beauty and goodness of God in the way that a monochrome congregation where we all look just the same, just can't even begin to express. So you've taken on quite a job, Cameron. (laughs) But you know grace. You know what it is to fall on your knees and feel like you've got nothing. You know what the desert is like. You know what it's like to be the one who is in difficulty where no one else seems to understand. And because of the gift of the desert, there's a stream in the desert. And God put it there. And that's the gift that you have to give to this group of people. Both what it's like to be in the desert and the discovery of the stream that is there. Even in the places that seem the most parched. So that when somebody comes in off the street. Beat up from the desert. Sunburnt. Bit by snakes. They can say. Oh. These people understand. They too know what it's like. To be in that place where nobody seems to know you or care. And that kind of gentle welcoming becomes the kind of invitation that the Holy Spirit will use again and again and again to gather the lame, the blind, those who have been brought to grief because God promises that he will take the lame and make them a strong nation. Not for coercion, but to lead well and to model for this community a group of people who really is learning by God's grace to recognize grace more than fault and love one another deeply. May that be the gift that this church that you offer here. Because this community where I live needs it. This diocese where I lead needs it. You are important In the life of this diocese. In a way that cannot be replicated anywhere else. So come. Stand up and take that portion. Be men and women who lead in humility. Gentleness and great courage. Learn to walk together. As opposed to getting angry and walking away. For the sake of the gospel. That somehow people might know. A people who really do look like Jesus of Nazareth. Amen.